As much as I would love it if this wasn't the case, distractions are inevitable, especially in youth ministry. Kids and teenagers have absolutely no problem tuning you out the second something slightly distracting happens. So in this episode, I'm going to give you several methods of handling distractions, a little advice on when to use each method, and what to do when one of your students is causing a distraction. My name is Michael Collins. This is the Maximize Youth Ministry podcast. This show exists to help you gain skill and confidence in youth ministry. I hope you love the show today. So the first method for handling distractions is the simplest and the most effective, and that's just prevention doing everything you can to make sure that there aren't going to be any distractions. And it is an impossible job. Like I said, distractions are inevitable. But you want to make some effort to mitigate the amount of distractions as much as possible. Close the door. Kids can't see people walking by if you're in a classroom. Move all the toys into another room or another area. Go into the area that you're going to be trying to teach in and look around and try to have the mind of a kid and think, okay, what would be more interesting than learning about the Bible in this room? And just look around and then try to get rid of all of those things. And if you're consistently having problems with distractions, try to pay attention to what the kids are being distracted by and then get creative and think, okay, is there some way that I can get rid of this distraction that's been such a common occurrence And all of my lessons, is there something that you can do to hide it or cover it up or remove it? Sometimes that's all it takes is a little barrier, a wall, a door being closed, anything that separates the kids from whatever it is that they're being distracted by, and all your problems are solved. But the second method, if you can't prevent a distraction, is just to ignore it. And this might feel counterproductive to some of you guys. If you're listening, you know, you just feel like, okay, if there's a distraction, I have to deal with it immediately. But if it's only distracting one or two kids at the back of the room, it's going to be a much bigger distraction for you to stop what you're doing and say, hey, Johnny and Susan, you guys quit playing with that beetle on the carpet and pay attention up here. Now, not only are Johnny and Susan distracted by the beetle, but you've drawn everyone else's attention to the distraction. Whereas if you just kept presenting your lesson, you'd have 90% of the room paying attention except for two of them. But now that you've called it out, when you try to go back to teaching, you're going to have about 50% of the room paying attention and the other 50% looking for a beetle on the carpet. The other reason you might want to ignore it is it's possible that whatever's being distracting might be embarrassing for somebody. If a kid's fidgeting in his seat like crazy, it might be because he's chafing or he really has to go to the bathroom. And you calling him out in front of the whole classroom is going to really be embarrassing for him. So don't have to, you don't have to call out every single little distraction. I know you want to have everybody's attention when you're talking about the gospel because it's really important and it's worth paying attention to. But especially when you're talking to kids and teenagers, you're never going to have the attention of 100% of the kids in the room. For some parts of your lesson, Susan's going to be paying attention and Johnny's going to be distracted. And for other parts, Johnny's going to be paying attention and Susan's going to be distracted. That's just how it is. So just communicate, talk to the people who are paying attention. And if you can, ignore the ones who are a little bit distracted at the moment. Because trying to fight every single distraction, you're going to spend more time fighting distractions than you're going to spend teaching. So it's okay to just ignore it sometimes. Now, sometimes it can't be ignored. 
which brings us to the third method for handling distractions. Acknowledge it and move on. I learned this from watching my dad teach. For an example, I used to teach outdoor education, and I'd teach third graders about the difference between solids, liquids, and gases. And I would ask them, okay, who can give me an example of a solid? Who can give me an example of a liquid? Who can give me an example of a gas? And inevitably, about one in every three classes, when I asked for an example of a gas, some kid would raise his hand and say, fart. And all the kids would laugh, and they'd expect me, as the teacher, to be really uncomfortable, like, okay, now everybody settle down, you know. But what I would do instead, which I learned from my dad, is I'd just say, yeah, exactly, who else has an example? And I'd move past it as quickly as possible. And some of the kids would look kind of funny at me, they'd... They're like, wait a minute, do you not hear what he said? And some kids would continue laughing in the corner, but I discovered that is the quickest way to just continue with the lesson. If I stopped and was like, okay, that's enough, settle down, that would just draw it out even longer. And we'd spend more time dealing with this distraction than we would talking about this lesson. This kind of goes along with leading by example. If you, you know, If you try to ignore some distractions that everybody in the room is aware of, it's going to seem odd that you're not acknowledging it, and that's going to become a distraction in itself. But if you just acknowledge it and say, yep, I'm aware that this has happened, this, and somebody made this joke, this bug just flew by, whatever, now we're going to keep moving on, the kids can kind of follow your lead sometimes and continue with the lesson. This doesn't always work. It kind of depends on the kids and the distraction, and you might have to practice a little bit before you can figure out, okay, where, when am I going to be able to pull this off and when am, is it not going to work? But when you can pull it off, it's one of my favorite methods to use because half the kids are always caught off guard by it. They're not expecting you to just acknowledge something and move on. They want to sit there and laugh and have you try to calm them down again because that's what most of the other adults in their life do. But the fourth method for handling distractions is just embrace the distraction. I learned after doing camp ministry and teaching outdoor education for a long time that I'm never gonna be able to compete with a car driving down the road. If a car drives by on one of those gravel roads near where I have the kids circled up trying to communicate something to them, all the kids just turn and look at the car. They just have to look, they have to watch, they have to know what's going on over there. and. I'm just like, okay, I'm not going to try to fight it. It's not worth the energy to try to fight for their attention when a car is driving by. I'd rather just stop and look at the car myself and we'd all just watch it drive by. And then I say, okay, back to what we were talking about and just rein them back in. But trying to fight through it, 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 it's just not worth the effort. Just acknowledge it. Let the airplane fly by. Let the car drive by. Let the bug crawl across the floor and then you can pick it up and take it outside or whatever it is. Sometimes it's just easier to embrace it, let it be distracting for a minute, and then bring it back to what's important. Okay, so that brings us to how can we handle a student who's being a distraction or distracting his or her friends in the classroom? Well, the first step is just to give them a warning. Just to call them out, say, hey, I see you back there. You're clearly being a distraction. You're not supposed to be talking right now. And I like to tell them something along the lines of, you don't have to listen, but you can't be distracting anyone else. And again, some of you guys might not like that. You, know, you might say, well, no, they do have to listen. But here's the thing. I hate to break it to you, 
but there's nothing that you can do to force them to hear what you're saying. You can make them sit still and look at you, but that usually is going to take a lot of effort and it doesn't mean that they're actually listening. So acknowledging the fact out loud by telling them, hey, you don't have to listen, is just stating something that you guys both should already know. Because the kid understands, they know that you can't force them to actually hear anything that you're saying. And so acknowledging that out loud will hopefully lower their guard a little bit in the fact that they can see that you are not going to try and force them to listen because you're acknowledging that you can't anyway. And that hopefully will make them a little bit more compliant and willing to do what you actually are asking them to do, which is sit still and stop distracting other people because it feels more like a negotiation instead of you trying to force them to do something they don't want to do. Give them options so that you tell them, listen, you can't be distracting anyone else. If you can sit still and be quiet, you can stay right here. If you can't, there's going to be consequences. And that's the other thing is you always want to, in the warning, explain what the consequences are going to be if they do not listen to you. And in this case, when it's a distraction, the next step I I recommend is just going to be separating them from the rest of the kids. Now, some teachers like to try to bring the student up to the front of the classroom when they're to separate them because they think, okay, this student's causing a problem. I need to bring them up here right next to me where they can't be causing problems anymore because they're right next to me and I'll, I'll be on top of it. But you're trying to teach. And if you bring the student up there next to you, then you're putting them in front of all of their peers. And typically, if a student's being a distraction to somebody else, it's because they wanted more attention anyway. So now you're giving them an opportunity to distract everybody in the room instead of just the one person at the back of the classroom where they were seated before. So don't bring them up to the front if you need to separate them. Put them further back because then you can still see them because they're behind every other student, but none of the other students can see what they're doing back there. And it's much harder for that student to be a distraction when they're five or 10 feet behind everybody else. But if they keep causing distractions, if they're continuing to throw pennies or whatever it is that they're doing back there, send them out. Call somebody else. Hopefully you've got somebody that you can call to help you out to come and take and remove that student from the classroom or the area where you're trying to teach. And I know this might be difficult because you want that student to be in there so they can hear what you're trying to tell them, but they're not listening anyway, and they're taking away from the experience that all of the other kids are having. So don't be afraid to just remove them from the room if you need to. But I hope this episode's been helpful to you, and remember to love the kids all the time, no matter what. I'll see you in the next episode. I hope you enjoyed that episode. At the time of recording this, we have five reviews on Apple Podcasts and four on Spotify. I would love it if you could go and increase that number by one. It'd mean a lot to me and let me know that you are out there, you're listening, and you're enjoying the show. Thank you so much for listening.